It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Soren Lehu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K b-a-k-e-r.com or call us at 312-726-1243. Is it wrong to tell a white lie if it doesn't hurt anyone or is it more damaging than we think? How do small lapses in integrity actually affect our daily lives? Today we'll be speaking with Stuart H. Brody, the founder of Integrity Intensive, a consulting firm focused on decision-making, leadership, and personal development. He's also the author of The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust, a book that evolved from his many years observing good people trapped in a culturally dysfunctional understanding of integrity. Stu, welcome to our show. Well, thank you very much, Sean. It's a pleasure to be back in Chicago and um, looking forward to our talk. Stu, I want to start first by defining the word integrity. Uh, I've often heard it described as um, integrity is what you do when no one's looking. You've studied this a lot. How, how would you define integrity? Well, I've heard that definition, and I don't think that quite hits the mark. Uh, like so many of the formulations we have about integrity and moral conduct generally, it's susceptible to cliches, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, so I, I'm not going to criticize that too much uh, right now. Uh, let me offer a different definition, and then we can elaborate it as the show goes on. But the definition I use in uh, my book is the fulfillment of promises, not just explicit ones, but implied ones. Implied ones are harder to see. But that's the basic definition, the fulfillment of promises. If you make a promise, well, that creates an expectation on someone's part that you're going to fulfill it. So fulfilling it becomes a duty. So I talk a lot about duties, and, I, and essentially, that, to me, that's also a foundation of moral faith. The duties, the discipline and duties and promise fulfillment that goes with spiritual undertakings, and we'll get into that. But the, the essential point is that there are both visible ones, like I'll meet you for lunch at a certain time in downtown Chicago. Let's pick anything, like the Italian village, I'll be there at 12 o'clock, and that's an explicit promise, or I'll return a, 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 library, a book that you loan me by April 1st. That's the date we agree on. But an implied promise is more complicated because it requires the person from a moral point of view to understand the obligation even though it's unstated. So if someone lends you a book, then just because there's no date assigned to returning it, there's still an obligation to return it. So we'll get into that, but 
um, I'll go back to my definition, which is pretty simple. Integrity is the fulfillment of promises, both expressed and implied. That's great. And Sue, you have a very interesting background in the areas of law, politics, and academia. Um, what have these, uh, this background that you have, these careers you've held, taught you about acting with integrity? Well, when you throw politics in there, I think your listeners will understand immediately that, that, that that's a lesson by default, right? I don't mean to be facetious, actually, and I'll go into that a little bit. Let me, let me give you the broader context uh, of it. Uh, I was a lawyer in Chicago. My first experience was not a pleasant one. It was a prestigious firm that encouraged the padding of hours, which is not really pretty for a young person to see right out of law school. And that, that kind of soured me. Now, I was in other law firms, and I saw exemplary individuals. Uh, so I'm not going to dwell on the excesses of law, although I think the public at large has some sense that lawyers uh, overreach. Okay, And that's something that needs to be addressed by the legal community. But I was always interested in politics, and I, I lived in Oak Park, and Phil Rock, which, who many of your listeners will know, also lived there. And he was the, the, my senator and the president of the Illinois Senate. And I believe he was a very moral man. He became my mentor, actually, in politics. And he, he taught me some valuable lessons. He, he put me on the RTA board. I, I was a transportation expert. And he said, well, we need someone like you there. And he appointed me. And as a, as a young man, I was relatively young, 33 at the time, I felt that whatever he wanted me to do, since he appointed me, I should do. The loyalty question. And there was a particularly thorny issue, and I went in to see Phil, and we had a long discussion, and he basically said, look, I, I put you on the board to follow your conscience in finding the truthfulness, the best interest of the people of Chicago and the outlying uh, counties, of course, now you go back to your office and you figure that out. Don't you worry about what I want. And I thought that was astounding. So my first lesson in law was very uh, disappointing because of the corruption within the firm, and this was a prestigious law firm in Chicago, but my first experience in politics was the opposite of that, very encouraging. So the, the whole myth of a Chicago politician was kind of defeated. But let me just say, after that, it didn't look too good. And not only in Chicago, but in New York, where I subsequently moved. And um, that led me to academia and the exploration of what it was to have moral uh, conduct. And there's a whole story connected with that, because I don't think ethical training in colleges, I was a college teacher, uh, was really very effective. So ultimately, I decided to turn inward and really say you know, ethics training is not about condemning others, but looking within ourselves to see what conduct within ourselves we need to address. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Soren Lehu at the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you've missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit malkbaker.com.
You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been speaking with Stuart Brody about the topics of integrity. Uh, Stu, you've titled your book, The Law of Small Things. Uh, Why did you choose that title? The title reflected, in, in my view, how we access uh, proper conduct, how, how we access the practice of integrity. It's not about the big things, about the being ready for the big things uh, that most people think they are. Uh, in my book and in my speeches and my seminars, I refer to that as an illusion that we all feel we have integrity, that's an illusion, and we all feel we'll be ready for the big things when they show up. That's an illusion. And I recognize that integrity, like any practice, begins with small things. And that's why I uh, titled the book. I mean, it took some thinking, but I realized that the discipline that we exercise in the small things gets us ready to do the big things. Yes, and your book uh, has uh, chapters devoted to answering questions like, uh, is hogging a table at Starbucks uh, wrong, or or listening to public radio without contributing, is that okay? Uh, Why is it important to have integrity even in the small things? Well, it's the, the training for the big things. So imagine trying to run a marathon without training, just running 26 miles without having practiced and gotten ready. Or imagine trying to go to Carnegie Hall or any recital hall and uh, give a recital without practicing every measure over and over again for years. And so, uh, you know, the Starbucks example is a good one because it teaches us the elements of civility the title of that chapter is Hogging the Table at Starbucks. It's something we've probably all done, either there or on a bus or a train, where we, we just need the extra room. And what that does is habituate us to think about our own needs rather than our responsibility to others, which is to make room available, to be accommodating, to be open, to be receptive, ready to make a contribution to other people. So it seems like a small thing, and people would describe this as a small thing and feel the license to go ahead and do it. But it really touches a much bigger concept about the nature of contribution uh, as individuals. In fact, the nature of um, you know, spirituality and also the nature of our, of our fundamental duty as citizens. So we tend not to think about that in our culture. We have enough to worry about kind of thing. But that's the beauty of small things. It centers us on big responsibilities. Coming up, we will talk further with Stu Brody about his book, The Law of Small Things, creating a habit of integrity in a culture of mistrust, and how we can hold ourselves accountable for doing the right thing. I'm Soren Lehu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Malcolm Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Soren Lehu, an attorney at Malk Baker, a law firm based in Chicago which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals and their legal needs. If you've missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we've been speaking with Stuart Brody, author of The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust. Uh, Stu, you, you've mentioned uh, or you referenced uh, something, uh, illusions of moral competence. I'm wondering if you can elaborate a little bit more about that. Okay, thank you, Soren. That's really important concept. If someone is serious about practicing integrity, not just saying they are or feeling content with some of the good things they do, but really fulfilling uh, all duties, express and implied as I defined it, and also making a contribution to the world that's around them, and also uh, achieving a kind of personal contentment through the fulfillment of responsibility, then we have to look at our own illusions. You asked me earlier why I got into this, and it wasn't just because lawyers uh, were uh, overly zealous or politicians were uh, kind of flippant with the truth. It was because I started to recognize my own participation in that. I saw my own shortcomings, and that's hard. So I created the term illusions of inconsequence to understand more broadly how we defeat integrity. And there are four categories, and I won't go through them all, but, the, but they're all kind of interesting because they show the, the normal ways we just ignore the moral content in daily life, like the white lie. He started the show with that. So people will tend to think of that as inconsequential. You just tell a, a little fib, doesn't hurt anybody, it protects the other person, so we think, and doesn't really impact our integrity, but it does in a major way. Uh, and you know, ultimately, we have to ask the question as a culture, if we condone white lying, lying about something as uh, insignificant as uh, canceling a, a lunch date and lying about it, well, then we have to ask, why should we really expect the president of the United States to tell the truth? That's not a trivial question. So these illusions have a way of creeping up on us. And uh, others are the, you know, things like the veil of convenience, like pretending that public radio doesn't need our contribution, even though we listen. You know, 90% of listeners don't contribute. Sort of appalling because it's really obvious that they need listener contributions. They could not survive without them. And that's why they have all those on-air appeals. So that's another one. In the workplace, I talk about survival, the way we loosely use that term. Oh, we have to survive. I'm just trying to survive. 
And in doing that, we cater to arrogant bosses. We write mission statements for our companies that are clearly bogus. Uh, some people, thousands of employees, hundreds of thousands throughout our country are beset by quotas, as I was as a lawyer, that they can't meet without fabrication. And um, we ignore things in the workplace, sexual harassment. We'd rather not make waves because we're just trying to survive. The illusion of moral competence is pervasive, and that's the starting point for recognizing our own behavior and correcting it. So you use the phrase practicing integrity. How, how does one practice integrity? So it is with small things. So you start with not telling white lies, practicing telling the truth. That's a really important thing. When you go out to dinner with a friend who wants to put the, 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 the bill on an expense account, even though it's on his company's expense account, even though it's a totally personal dinner, practicing means saying, no, uh, let's not do that. I, I would prefer to pay because that's a habit of truthfulness, right? Because if you don't and the expense account picks it up, well, then uh, the company is really reporting income or deductions on the income as expenses that it would otherwise owe the federal government. A small thing? I don't know. Small things have a way of mounting up. Just look at the housing crisis in 2007. Everybody did their little part, a small thing. People applying for mortgages they couldn't afford and uh, banks not caring, passing it off to security makers to create securities that were bogus and insurance agencies backing them without the funds. It gets, it gets big in a hurry. Uh, small things like padding an insurance claim, exaggerating a deduction on a tax return. How about exaggerating a resume? These are cheating in golf. How about that? Uh, you know, writing an overly generous letter of recommendation. These are small things that habituate us to a culture of lying. So that's why I believe practice is important. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Soren Lehu of Malkin Baker, and we're talking to Stuart Brody, the founder of Integrity Intensive, about the topic of integrity. Um, Stuart do, does faith, do religious beliefs play a role in determining uh, right and wrong and integrity as a general uh, topic? Yeah, well, thank you for that question, because I, I think I've come to the point in my own life and my own research about this topic of integrity that you, you really can't talk about integrity without faith. And what I mean by that, that's, that may sound controversial. Integrity can be a, a totally secular concept. And it is. And it can be. And my book does not really get into faith except in small ways, but it's kind of the concept that, that hovers around the whole issue. My, my view of this is that integrity is essentially a spiritual value. Because what it does is it converts the meaning of integrity from what it, it is now in our culture, a way of kind of evading detection, 
to building relationships with our community and healing our relationship with others and ultimately aligning with God. Because that mechanism of, combi- of, of building relationships with others and healing our community, contributing to our community, is the essence of alignment with God. And ultimately, I think, to add to that, what gives satisfaction to practicing integrity? Integrity is hard. That's why we don't really want to understand it in our culture as, as small things. We go along with the illusion that we'll be ready for big things. We're probably not going to have time to do that, but I discuss that a lot in our book. We're not ready. So why should someone, you know, do something, act with integrity, practice integrity in a culture that really lets, gives you a, a pass on acting with integrity? Well, it's for personal authenticity. Well, where do you get that? You know, the happiness of doing the right thing is something that is innate, but it's it's... the potential is innate, but the activation of it is because of the sense of responsibility to the divine, the divine within us. So that's why I think it's inherently spiritual and that faith as a reflection of, of our capacity for spirituality is essential to integrity. Stu, on, on the Integrity Intensive website, you have a quiz that people can take to test their integrity quotient. Uh, can you explain more about this? Yes, thank you, Soren. I, one of the things that has been, that really started me on the road to writing the book was that I gave my college students a quiz. With really 20 questions, basically, really small things, like the white lie, like the dinner on an expense account of a friend. It just kind of went on and on like that. Uh, and I recognized that, that the, these kids were just not morally attuned to the value of practicing integrity on small things. So it became the cornerstone of the book. So the book actually opens with the quiz and it's 25 questions and uh, it's a lot of fun to take. I mean, I get a lot of feedback and people, People like it because they insist that their answer is right. And then I try to explain, well, have you looked at this potential? Like the Starbucks example I gave. You see the broader implications of your conduct, basically holding up a sign saying, don't come near me. I don't want to deal with you. Stu, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about Integrity Intensive? Well, I, I think the best thing... That, that I think people can do to understand more about this is to take the quiz. And the easiest way to do that is do it online. Buying the book, of course, is great. Or you can go online, www.integrityintensive, that's one word, .com, www.integrityintensive.com, and you'll see the quiz right there. And that's great for me. It's a contribution, not to me, but to the work, because I'm accumulating data on how people look at small things. So I think it will be an insight for your listeners and also to aid the public in understanding the dimension of this. So I would urge and invite your your listeners to do that. Thank you, Stu. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K. 
B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Soren Lehu, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.